Welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7, Danbury's only all-hockey radio show. You want me to dummy you again? the fuck out of that net. I'll break your fucking face. Buddy, I dummy you once. You want me to dummy you twice? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7 and streaming online at WXCI.org. Live here from Western Connecticut State University, I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake, joined by DJ Uncle Matt. Great to be here. We got a lot to talk about to start the show off, but we also got a pretty jam-packed episode uh, for you guys this week, and I think you guys will really enjoy it. But first... I want to talk about the opportunity I was able to secure this past weekend. I was able to watch the Quinnipiac versus Yale playoff series for the ECAC. Um, It did not disappoint. Quinnipiac went out there, swept Yale clean. Um, In that first game on Friday, Quinnipiac shut them out 3-0 with Yanni Peretz in net. Um, It was his 20th career shutout, and he also is now the fastest player to reach 20 career shutouts in the NCAA Um, you know only playing 68 games to get to said mark and you know the game it was an interesting game to watch Um, I will say though on both sides it was kind of sloppy play Um, Quinnipiac really didn't kind of form anything until the second period Um, you know they were able to score you know, with a Jacob Quillen goal, let everything off. Um, you know, that was, you know, pretty much right at the beginning of that period. So they were able to just kind of really get the fire going just right away. Um, next thing you know, this, you know, takes a little while. Then, you know, about five, five or so minutes later, um, you know, Rassanen scores, makes it a 2 nothing game, going to, you know, the next period we're on a power play and Zach Metza is able to net that third goal in on the power play um 18 seconds into the third and that was it for the scoring however I will mention on top of 20 career shutouts Yale also that night made some history some unfortunate history for their case um being the first team since the 0203 season to only have five shots on goal in a playoff game in D1 men's ice hockey which you know seeing how those guys played um obviously something like that was going to go down I mean given even though both teams were kind of sloppy uh Yale just really could not find their stride at all um kind of struggling like making all these crazy turnovers that they probably could have avoided. But either way, Quinnipiac took game one. Then it was on to the next night, Saturday. Um, Quinnipiac wins it 6-2. to two. Um, So obviously Yale is able to get some goals in on this one. And Quinnipiac played really, really well compared to the night before. Um, they were really starting things off. They scored that first goal. Uh, two minutes and 41 seconds into the 
you know, start of the game scored by Michael Lombardi there. And that just kind of set the set the tone for the night. I mean, it got the place going and really that that place gets rocking, um, you know, during those kinds of series. But, you know, you had that followed by a Colin Graf goal towards the end of that period. Kind of stayed the same. It was also a power play goal, might I add. Um, you know, a lot of penalties in this one that benefited Quinnipiac more so than Yale. Um, both teams were actually able to get two shorthanded goals as well. So, you know, it was really in their favor um, that night just for in terms of playing-wise for both teams to really get it together and just play a good game of hockey. And, you know, unfortunately, Yale got the early exit I mean given their overall record after that was 8 20 and 4 on the season so I really I really expect this to be the turnout honestly and you know Quinnipiac standing at 33 and 3 as of now so they will be heading up to Lake Placid New York this weekend to play against the Colgate Raiders if I'm not mistaken so you know that's that's the next thing for these guys um they're a really great group they're currently ranked number two nationally so you know i expect big things for this group and hopefully a a title i mean they haven't gotten an uh, ncaa title um in the history of the program so it'd definitely be one for the ages if they were able to secure one and then moving on to things in danbury the na3 playoffs that just happened this past weekend they were able to get the series win over Norwich and you know two to one type of deal uh, they had home ice on Thursday they were able to shut them out for nothing went to Norwich unfortunately lost that one I believe for one we were able to go back the next night and win it for one so in Norwich so they will be playing against the Northeast Generals uh, this week, starting on tomorrow, actually, when you're hearing this, because we're releasing this a day early. Um, so they will be playing tomorrow against Northeast in Attleboro, Mass. So they're going to have that series going. Friday, they're going to come back to play their one home game, and then they'll play Attleboro in a game three, if needed, um, on this Sunday. Um, currently, Northeast is top of the league. They had 44 wins this season. Um, few, we got a few wins off of them, but a very tough team, so they got a lot to work on. Um, I know they were practicing today, so might have been their last practice before they head up. And these kids are tough. They play hard. They play hungry. And uh, I enjoyed going down last week and uh, hanging out with Joe Trench and taking in a few uh, of the games. It, it really looks like these guys have some talent, and this is uh, really the best I've seen from the the na3 team they've been putting in a lot of work credit goes to nosy and the and the guys on the team so it's uh it's it's really fun to watch if you have the time to get down there to support of course and it's free to attend so you know make sure you come and do that and you know we also had our games of the hat tricks they went against watertown went back up there for a two-game stretch and we're able to sweep them in both yeah you know the pro team goes up to watertown and uh as uh you know igor uh the guest later on the show says it's a little unpredictable when you go up there it's a it's a tough place to play it's a small arena it could be a little hostile it's a long trip 
Uh, you're you're very close to Canada when you go up that way. So, um, I, again, it's another challenge for these guys to go on the road and, and to pick up a, a win against a hometown team, you know? Yeah, and, you know, funny enough, um, you might hear me mention this, you know, earlier on when I talk about the Quinnipiac-Yale series that happened this past weekend as well. Um, they were able to cap off that weekend with a 6-2 win as well as Quinnipiac. So found that to be a little interesting. Um, but, yeah, we also were – It's always the numbers, man. It's always the numbers. And then we're going against Watertown once again, but on a split road series. So we'll be on the road on Friday for St. Patrick's Day in Watertown, and we'll be coming back the 18th to play against them, which is also alumni night. So big night in Danbury. Um, got a, a lot of Whalers alum coming down. I believe a few trashers, you know, the Galantes will be there. And then, you know, staff from around that era. So they'll be doing that as well as the Ring of Honor induction. So, um, Matt, any, any it's, takes? Yeah, it's great to hear that the alumni, uh, some guys are going to be coming back. And it's always a great time. I mean, I... These are the two dates, right, that you really circle. For me, it's always New Haven night, and we had that already, and it, it was a great night, a great hockey game that night, mm-hmm. uh, um, really a memorable night, and it, always the alumni night. So to have a few people coming back, I wish we had uh, a larger turnout. And, I, you know, sometimes I think it might even be on us, uh, like Hattrick City and some of the other fans, to maybe, you know, help kind of organize a really proper alumni game uh, you know, even if we kind of had it mixed in with some fans or something like that, just to just to get people out here and stuff. But uh, listen, it's it's step by step, and this is just another step. You know, Danbury hockey's only been back. This will be a third full, second full season in in three, you know, in in four years, really. So it's uh, it's it's great to see things like this taking place and and moving forward in the future. You have people like Eddie Soupy Campbell. Uh, you have Alan Friedman. And uh, you have Steve Brown all going into the special Ring of Honor, which I think that might be a better better term for that that we could come up with. But it's the Ring of Honor, and it, it, it's a great thing uh, just to see these guys um, that contributed so much to having hockey here. Uh, Alan Friedman, uh, you know, uh, Ed Campbell was an NHL draft pick who ended up coming down to the Whalers and providing, like, a really good leadership role that helped – help win the one championship in the history of Danbury. So it's it's a special time to be celebrating it 10 years from that from that day, you know. Um, so uh, j- just a great thing to have. Of course. And then, you know, as we're recording this and, you know, the day that we're uploading this, the actual championship series started 10 years ago today against the Dayton Demons. We beat them on the road 5-4. to four followed by another game on the 16th, also in Dayton, where we smoked them 7-2. So it's crazy to think that, you know, this upcoming week has been 10 years since this series all started and, you know, that one championship has happened. But this year this team is looking great. I really, really think they got it this year. There's such a different vibe from last year. I know I wasn't present for that first year, but I think if COVID did not happen, we probably would have had another. There's a lot of good guys on this team. Um, Johnny Ruiz has been a great captain. Kyle Gonzalez has been a great captain. You have, uh, you know, people that play hard every single shift, guys that are really hungry this season. I think you have 
people behind the scenes working hard, such as yourself, Pat, and you know people down at the arena that are trying to put in the work to to, to keep everything moving in the right direction. And uh, I'm just really impressed with uh, Johnny and uh, Kyle and and Gordy. You know, has been been an important voice for the team all season. So it's 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 great to see these guys uh, owning their roles uh, and and really trying to bring Danbury hockey to the next level. Of course. And then if you guys stay tuned, we'll be talking with assistant coach of the Hattricks U14 girls team, uh, Paige Lugo. Um, They are actually going to the national championships out in Irvine, California. Uh, They have, you know, a bit of excess they need help with on the funds. Uh, We have a link to their GoFundMe on our link in bio on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, We also posted a quick little story on our Instagram that has a link on there too. So if you don't see the link in the bio, you can click the link in the video or vice versa. Um, They're a little less than halfway to their goal right now. It looks like the goal is about 15 grand. That's probably what it costs per player and coach to get everybody out there. So listen, if you have the extra, if you can give a couple of bucks, this is a great thing underscore hat trick city on instagram you'll you'll go to our bio and you'll click the link and it's right at the top there well you know i've passed it around to some people that i know uh in the community and stuff like that and it looks like there have been some generous donations but uh, i think it's great to see especially the, the 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 young girls get the opportunity to go to a national championship representing Danbury. It's a great thing. I don't know if anybody out there who listens to the show, I've tried to get meetings with the mayor uh, about a charity event that we do here in Danbury that raises thousands. I still haven't been able to get that meeting, but uh, just in terms of them, maybe maybe somebody listening to the show could, could get in touch with the mayor and see if there's a way to subsidize what these girls are doing because it should be acknowledged and it's a good thing for Danbury. Of course. And without further ado, stay tuned for said interview. This is Frankie McClendon, Danbury Hattrick's goalie. You're listening to Hattrick City Radio on 91.7 WXCI. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hattrick City. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake, as always, joined by DJ Uncle Matt here in the WXCI studios. Today, we have the assistant coach of the Danbury Hattrick's U14 girls team, Paige Lugo. Paige, how are you doing today? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Paige, thanks for joining us. Uh, I really uh, was excited when Alex um, reached out to us to say that uh, you guys had advanced, I guess, to the national championship tournament of the U14 level. Yeah, for U14 Tier 2. Yeah, so because you, that's something I wanted to, I was glad you wanted to come on. Maybe you could kind of explain to most of our listeners who are probably um, mostly professional hockey fans, Danbury Hattricks or otherwise, what's the U14 level consist of? How does your team operate um, in terms of who, who do you guys play, how long is the season, and how does it lead to where you guys are now, which it seems like it's the highest stage? Yeah, so we are uh, U14, so all the girls are under 14 years old, so about ninth and 8th grade as most of our team. We play throughout Connecticut, so we play in the CHC Connecticut League, so um, the Connecticut Polar Bears, uh, the Mid-Fairfield Stars, a couple of those teams we play throughout the year. And then our league consists of eight teams. Top six teams make it to states. 
And then so we played in the state tournament, which lasts about a month. Um, this previous month, we came in second, so a little bit of an unfortunate finish. But the top two teams in the state get to go to regionals. So that's New Hampshire, Maine, Rhode Island, and Connecticut. We play in a tournament of six teams. And then the top two teams, unfortunately, we did come in second again, get to go to nationals, which is in Irvine, California. So we're packing up our suitcases and headed to Irvine in two weeks here. So how does it go, those those previous rounds that you mentioned, the, the rounds of, I guess, the regional rounds, where are they all played? Yeah, so um, the states are played in Connecticut over four weekends. You play a round-robin tournament, so everybody randomly seeds, and then the fo- top four teams make it to semis and then finals. And then the same thing for regionals is a, over a weekend. So we were just in Providence, Rhode Island, doing a tournament there. So six teams do a round-robin tournament, and then you reseed for the top four. So tell us right now, it looks like you guys have established a GoFundMe page to kind of um, cut into some of the financial burden um, that the players and I'm sure their families are going to have to assume for you guys to continue. What's the cost and where are you guys with your goals, I guess? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as I'm sure everybody can imagine, California is a very expensive place to travel to. Everything's funded by the parents. So all of the flights, all of the hotels, everything is funded by the parents. And nobody really expected us to make it this far. So we're really kind of throwing this on the parents real last minute. Um, hotels are super expensive in California. And then you're talking about food and just really nothing's covered. Everything's covered by the parents. So, yeah, we are asking any help that anybody could give us would be great. Are, there, are you guys in danger of not being able to go? Um, I feel like we'll be able to figure it out. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know how some of these families are going to really pull it off. I mean, I don't know what every parent's situation is like. Yeah, it, it probably is. Uh, I know it is. Um, yeah. I, I don't have any children, but I do know that, that it is difficult to, to pay for kids' hockey and the, the, the tremendous cost associated with, uh, you know, the, the giving the kids the experience they deserve if they're going to be able to make it to that level. So we we definitely hope that if anybody's out there, what's the best way? I, maybe the best way we can do this is maybe we can create a link tree and we can add this to our link tree on our social yeah, pages. Yeah, get, get this to the top of the link tree on the Instagram. So if you go to our Instagram page, which is... Um, Underscore Hattrick City. Yeah, on Instagram, you click the link in our bio. We're going to have the GoFundMe um, link right there. So you can send uh, the, the U14 Hattricks uh, girls team uh, where they're supposed to be. And uh, I'm going to personally... I'm actually personally going to pick up my phone and see who I can get involved. I don't know who I could get involved, but uh, I'll I'll try and see who if there's anybody I can contact, even if they got the person could just throw a couple of bucks in that direction. But uh, you know, uh, it, it's tremendous to hear that the, the the players have advanced. This is great for Danbury hockey, especially to see uh, the women. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 really nice to see that. Tell us a little bit about. Um, just what it takes to get this. How are these teams? How often do the girls practice? What What does it take to have a team like this, you know? Yeah, so we practice three days a week. We play um, Saturday, Sunday, every single week. We also do videos on Thursday and at-home dryland on Tuesday. So we really ask a lot. That's seven days a week of 14-year-old girls. Yeah. So we do ask a lot for these girls, but they have put in the work this whole season, and they've ended up where they need to be. Nobody really thought we'd be here. This is only our first year of eligibility in nationals and our second year as a youth girls program in Danbury. Wow. 
Well, and tell us a little bit about um, just like uh, how did the how does having the the facility where there's two rinks and stuff like that do you do you guys kind of recruit the players and do they see the different things that go on here? How does it work, or do, or, they, or do the the kids kind of wander in off the street? I don't know how it works. I mean, in youth program, you're not really allowed to recruit, so we definitely don't do any of that. Um, it's really just been people watching us, seeing us. Um, our head coach Lou, he's known a lot of girls. Um, he's coached for several years in girls hockey. He has two daughters who used to play, um, and so just him being a great coach, some girls followed him. What was your own experience with hockey? Did you also play at Post uh, University in Waterbury? Yeah, I played at Post University. Um, I did three years there. I lost my senior year to COVID, but I I played there. Yeah. Wow. So you didn't want to you didn't want to stretch it out after COVID. You could have gotten two more years out of it, right? I could have, yeah, but I I just decided they didn't really have a degree for me that I wanted to go back for. So I I went right into coaching after that. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, just kind of an aside note, it's pretty interesting now in the name, image, and likeness era. I don't know where I would have mentioned this, but now some of the schools are able to offer the kids money to stay mm-hmm. at the institution. And in in this COVID era, it makes it really interesting because there's a bunch of guys right now that have a fifth year, bunch of of men and women athletes. Um, that that have a fifth year and all these schools have money to offer them. So it's this will be a good time for like a college sports reporter one day to go back and see all the deals that were made uh, in this kind of first wave of name, image, and likeness that has this fifth, this phantom fifth year that the players that you you could go out and tell a kid right now, hey, you were the best player uh, at the University of Vermont in hockey. Right now, you have a fifth year. You can transfer to us, and we'll give you sixty grand, or we'll give you a hundred grand. You know, it's, it's yeah, a, and pretty much everybody has a fifth year from that. So, right. lots of athletes are out there in, in all sports. Do you do you get you know keep up on much of the women's hockey or anything like that? Do you, women's college hockey interest you or the pro hockey or at all? Or yeah, a, a little bit. I watch a little bit of it. Um, Frozen Four is going on right now. I know. Um, my goalie growing up is on Ohio State, so I know Ohio State made it. Ohio State won last year, so personally, I'm kind of rooting for them because I have teammates on the team. That's pretty awesome. That's cool. It, it, just in terms of, because you know, we we um, I do feel like we have a lot of women interested, even in the hat tricks. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of female fans that come out, and there are a lot of young. Uh, young ladies, I guess you would say that that are that are at games regularly. How do you see as this is only the second um, female we've ever had in the studio. Mm. The first one was Isla McCreary. She <laughs> was a little shy that day, <laughs> but but um, what I'm I'm kind of interested in now that we have you here. You know, like um, how do you see the growth of women's hockey kind of on the local level, you know? Yeah, it, it really is incredible how much that um, women's hockey has grown, even from when I was a child to what it is now. I mean, you're looking at Division One athletes, and now you're at the NWHL. I mean, it was really great that we had the Connecticut Whale in Danbury last year. A little bit unfortunate that they moved, but they're still in Connecticut. You could always go watch them up in Simsbury. And, I mean, yeah, it's just great having a program in Danbury. We're always looking for homes for these girls. You don't want anybody to kind of fall through the cracks. So we're always... Just making sure everybody has a place to play. That's our, our biggest goal here. I might be a little naive in asking this question, but did you play mostly with and against dudes growing up? 
or were you, or were you mostly on a track with other female players? I switched to girls hockey about 12 years old. So wow. a good portion of my life I did play girls hockey. I was fortunate enough. I'm actually Canadian. So there's a lot more girls hockey in the area that I grew up. I know there's not too much here, but there's surprisingly a lot of youth girls hockey in Connecticut. So when I moved here, that surprised me. There's about eight teams of girls hockey within the state of Connecticut. When did you come from Canada? I went to my first year of college here. So when I was 18, I moved here, started a true freshman. Wow, that's that's interesting. So yeah. I didn't really, what, what part of Canada are you from? I'm from Winnipeg area. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, we've had a few players definitely through Danbury that are from Winnipeg over the years. Yeah. Uh, Gibby was from Winnipeg. And uh, that, that, that that's interesting. So how do you I guess this is probably going to be a loaded question, right? But, I mean, that's why we're here on <laughs> WXEI on Hattrick City. Um, how do you feel that the way the game is being coached here matches up against the way you were taught to play hockey? Um, honestly, it's very different. I mean, USA Hockey requires coaches to go through clinics every year. So every year I go to a coaching clinic and I learn. And so I feel like as a player who don't, recognize or appreciate how much actually goes into coaching and how much thought goes into it. I will say that USA Hockey has a great program for coaches that teaches us how to coach and be the best coaches. It's just it's just different. I mean, thinking as a player is thinking as a coach. And I guess in in Canada, would you say that um again, it's just a little bit of naivety on my part. Would you say that a lot of these these colleges, I mean, you went to a college that had an established hockey program, it wasn't like a brand new thing on campus or anything. Is there a lot of college hockey um coaches and scouts looking in Canada or would you say it's now kind of stretched around a little bit? Um, I would say as a player, you have to come here and go out and approach here. I mean, I always did tournaments over in New England area, talk to coaches out here. A lot of it falls on the player as well, especially in female hockey. You have to do a lot of work for yourself. A lot of the girls, uh, a lot of the other female players that you played with, did, did they kind of stop when the college year came up? When they were like, oh, well, you know, I'm... I'm not going to go to college in America. Or did they play college hockey in Canada? Lots of them played college hockey in Canada. I was the only one in my senior class that came to America, and then after that, a few have come. Well, it's pretty cool. I think that it's good that the kids uh, and the parents of Danbury can know that not only do they have a former female college hockey player teacher, but also a Canadian. So it's like the real thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> we have a token Canadian on my beer league hockey team, and we just hang on every word that he says pretty yeah. much all the time. <laughs> I try and hide my accent here and there. <laughs> I think there's an uh, episode of Letterkenny coming up with uh, a trip to Ca Irvine, California. So just before we let you go, we really appreciate you coming to the studio um, and, and telling us more about what you have going on. But who's who's at this tournament and like where do the teams come from? Is this like a, a North America thing or is this more of just a, you know, American thing? And, you know, does is it all age groups or is yeah. it just your age group that? So it's USA Hockey National. So it's only the U.S. Um, and it's all ages. So they go all the way up to U19 all the way. I think it starts at uh 12U or 14U is nationals that it starts. Um, we're only playing in 14, so we'll only play teams that are 14 across the nation. Yeah, and and do, are there like 
I always wonder about this. Like, are you aware of the other, like, top teams that are going to be there? Like, have you heard of some yeah. of these programs? So we were ranked 62nd in the nation going into all of our tournaments. We beat the fourth-ranked team in the nation and regional. So that's what put us at Where were the they from? Rhode Island. Wow. Sweet. And then um, we lost to the third-ranked team in the final in regionals. Um, but, yeah, there's people ranked all over – I mean, at least at the U14 Tier 2 girls program, it kind of went all over the place. The rankings went out the door, and there's a, a ton of people that are all over. I don't know how it works in Connecticut, but are the, the girls, um, the, the ninth graders, is there also girls high school hockey in Connecticut that they play, or is this it? Um, this is pretty much it. They can go to, um, like, prep school and start that route. Um, we have a couple Paris girls. Hilton. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have a couple girls that play on the boys' team. Um, not, I don't know how much ice time they get there. It's really just enjoyable for them to be a part of a school atmosphere. But we really encourage them to do a full season with us. And then once they get to prep school, they can do split season. But that's a whole nother. How many games is that with you? Um, this year we played, I want to say, like 50 to 60 games. We play a lot of games. We do a lot of um, double headers. At that young age, you can play two games a day. So we'll go up we'll go up to Philadelphia and play the Junior Flyers, and we'll play them at like 10 a.m. and then again at 3 a.m. Or 3 p.m., pardon me. Yeah, that'd be a rough one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a late, late beer league start if yeah, exactly. I ever heard one. Yeah. Um, Listen, Paige, thank you so much for coming in. Like, we, we really appreciate this, and we want to uh, encourage anybody in Danbury Hockey that's that's doing something like this, that needs support, or, or just wants to let us know that, you know, sometimes we don't know about every charity event. It's just it doesn't come across our place. We, we, we do know a lot about uh, what's going on. But, uh, again, Paige Lugo was here. She's assistant coach with the Danbury Hattricks U14 girls team. They are uh, trying to get to Irvine, California for the uh, national championships of USA Hockey. You can click the link in our bio, and we will have the GoFundMe page up there uh, by the time you hear this this episode. So, again, uh, link in our bio to support the Danbury Hattricks U14 girls team. And it'll also be on Facebook and Twitter as well. Yeah, we're going to try and do the best we can. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here today, you guys. Hey, this is Johnny McDonald, a.k.a. J-Mac, Hattrick's defenseman, and you're listening to Hattrick City on WXCI. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hattrick City. I am your host, DJ Patty Cake, as always, joined by my co-host, DJ Uncle Matt. Today we got two of the boys in the studio. we got Xavier and Igor. Boys, how are we doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Great. Thanks for having us. Of course. Guys, thanks for coming on the show today. It's really been a pleasure the last couple of months uh, and, you know, weeks um, watching you guys play and... Uh, I've been seeing a lot of heart from you guys, so it's really good to have you guys in here in the studio. Let's start with you, Igor. Where, where are you actually from? I, I guess you were born in Russia, but where did you grow up, really? So, Moscow. That's kind of uh, where I came from. Grew up there for probably 14 years. Then my family made a decision, and we all moved here to the United States, to the Boston area. Um, and now I'm here with you guys, chilling. Where did you really start skating? Over there or over here? So, I started skating when I was four in Moscow. Um, just, you know, pond skating and then kind of transition, playing for CSKA uh, growing up. That was kind of the club there. Wow. Uh, so I got lucky, experienced that. And then you probably have seen what's going on in Russia with all the politics. So my parents were lucky enough and they saw it coming and they, you know, just transitioned me out of there with my family. And now I'm here. Did you go to KHL games over there? Yeah. Wow. Couple. What Was the environment cool to you? Uh... Um, 
it's different. Like, you know, it's Russian. There's, like, if you go to the NHL game, you can't really compare them. Uh, it's like Russian style and European style. It's it's crazy. I mean, I love it. Like, it, they're trying to copy, like, NHL games, but it's not the same. It's just hysterical. <laughs> it's like a sick but horrible parody sometimes when you go to, like, other, away from, like, big cities. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> That's interesting, man. And Xavier, where are you actually from? Albany, right? Yeah, I live uh, like five minutes from downtown Albany. When did you start playing? Uh, my uncle got me skating when I was three. Wow. Yeah. So So did you go to like Albany River Rats games or something? As a yeah, kid? Albany River Rats games growing up, and then it was the Devils. Yeah. But yeah, the, R the River Rats were like the OG team. So I guess you guys kind of went through the kind of the more local junior ranks before you went to college. Why don't you, uh, um, Igor, why don't you take us through... Is it Igor or George? I think the fans are kind of trying to figure it out at this point. So it's actually Igor. Igor. So it's like the Y before an E. Um, Igor, George. I, I like Igor for hockey. Anything like uh, job related away from hockey, I'll go George. So okay. between nice. the boys, like in the setting like this, I, I go uh, Igor or hockey-wise. So That's I'll interesting. Go, <laughs> so I'll go something like this. Um, I mean, for me, it's like new too because like I got it recently. Yeah, I yeah. came with my passport. Like my parents wanted to call me like George. <laughs> but it was like not Russian appropriate, I guess. So that's how we went through uh, and that's how we got it. Um, but yeah, my, my path was kind of, I guess, weird. Um, I went to Old Boys Catholic School and uh, at one point I was affiliated with the NAL team in the Generals. Um, and my sophomore, junior year, they wanted me to leave the school and just play, like go online. My parents were freaking out. They're like, you're not leaving a very good school, you're staying in. Um, so I played freshman, sophomore high school, but then junior, senior, I played for Walpole Express and EHL, um, which is, it was amazing. Like it was a junior league, but um, I never really practiced with the A team, even though I played for them because I was in school taking tests and all that stuff. Um, it was a great experience. Um, and after that, um, I had a chance. So after my two years, I think I had two more years of aging out. Um, uh, went to Muskegon, tried it out, kind of got cut, you know, from it. Um, and it was a choice either going to Salve D3 or um, for uh, Janisville and Denal. And um, from there, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try the college route as an 18-year-old. Yeah. So from there, did a couple, uh, two years there. The second year was COVID. Um, that got cut. Um, was skating. Um, and then got invited to Worcester, Worcester Railers. Um, signed a PTO there. And since there, I've been kind of professional. This is my second year. So that's my path. Salve Regina, that's in Newport, like on the... Newport, Rhode Island. In like a castle, right? Oh, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's the time. So was were you just kind of done going to college at that point? You think you went to school a little too early? Because I guess a lot of these guys really don't get to college until they're what? 21. 21 or yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. 22. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, looking back, like right now, I mean, I'm still in school technically, like playing professional, still doing the school classes. But the first two years, I kind of got the grasp for it. I mean, I enjoyed it. I loved it. But... Um, as soon as I got the chance to sign with Railers, even as a PTO in the coast, and kind of like thinking that I'm gonna be like affiliated with New York Islanders at 19, 20, I was like, you know what? <laughs> this is it. a chance. So, and especially I think that COVID played a huge role because we didn't play a single game my sophomore year, that COVID season. So I was so eager to kind of get into professional hockey. And I kind of, I knew that most of the guys from the team that graduated, like, 
Fed SB maybe closer their highest level that they'll ever get to. So I kind of wanted to start the process earlier, and I got lucky, and now I'm with you guys. That's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, Xavier, are you still taking classes at this point? Or are you done? No, I graduated last summer with my master's. Wow. Yeah. So you, you know, there there seems to be a few guys on the team. I know Brendan Dowler. Um, I think we mentioned this on the on. On a last show or something like that, but Dowler's still taking yeah. classes to finish yeah. his bachelor's. Are you, are you, full time or is it just kind of like part time right now? So it's it's part time. Um, obviously, in the summers, I'm kind of go full time and trying to get as many credits as possible. But um, I actually transferred too, um, so a lot of my credits kind of stayed back. Uh, um, so I'm kind of catching up. Like I'm almost um, a junior at the end of it. If uh, if I didn't transfer, I would have been graduating. Well, where where are you going now? Bentley. Oh wow, nice. that's yeah. a pretty good college too. Yeah, yeah, you want yeah. So I was like, new, probably a new better school than South Virginia. Oh, way yeah, better, right? Yeah. I mean, the first couple of weeks were tough. And yeah. I was like, whoa, like. <laughs> and is it all online? Yeah, most wow. of it. So that's really that's really amazing because it's I I think that again I don't know everything but I kind of feel like there's a few guys on the team in that situation and I that might keep me grounded if I was. You know, like you have your schoolwork to do, you have your hockey to play professionally. Uh, does it kind of help you stay busy? Yeah, definitely. Um, it all comes down to the passion. Um, for me, school is just something that needs to be done, and I understand, like, in future, unfortunately, hockey is not going to be there forever. And that's the thing. Like, I, I just want to have it, it's just just to have it right now. Um, and it's, it's, it's fun. What's I your guess. major? Business management. Oh, cool. cool. So. And Xavier, you you transferred once or twice in school, huh? Yeah. What was your path kind of after, I guess, the, the high school years, you know? Yeah, I went to Albany Academy um, for high school, and then I knew I didn't want to play junior hockey. So I went to Stevenson, and I studied fashion merchandising there. Wow. Which where, I love. where is that? Uh, Owings Mills, Maryland. Wow. It's like 20, 30 minutes outside Baltimore. It's a really nice campus. Cool. Um, and then my uh, old coach from high school became the coach at Wilkes, so... I decided to transfer there. What are the difference in the schools? What are they like, those two places? Um, Wilkes-Barre, PA is definitely not as nice as Maryland. <laughs> I would say from, like, a hockey perspective, Wilkes was awesome. But if you're trying to, like, go to the city or maybe go downtown and, like, check things out, museums and things like that, probably Maryland's yeah. the place to be. Because like, that's basically the Scranton area, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Wow. So what... Starting with you, Xavier, what kind of brought you uh, to the Fed? Yeah, so I think it was two seasons ago, the COVID year for hockey. I was like, you know what? Like, I want to keep playing after. So that's kind of what motivated me to go back last year and uh, keep playing, do my master's. And then, yeah, uh, talked to Birmingham Bulls a little bit at the end of last season, went to their training camp, and then... Uh, when I got released from here, I talked to talked to Billy, and I thought this would be a great place to be there. And first undefeated at the time, so it's like I want to go play for a great team. So, and both of you guys uh, have been up in the SPHL too. Um, what was it like up there? I guess you spent most of your both of you guys spent most of your time in Vermilion, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. But you played in Birmingham. I just want to stop you right there. I just want to check the playback on this because it looks weird. Yeah. So what was your I guess you guys kind of got your feet wet mostly in the SPHL. What was your impression of playing down there, Xavier? Um, for me, I think the hockey is a little bit more structured. I think, like, the coaches really, like, hammer details, like, systems and things like that. But 
As far as the players, like there's good players in the Fed, there's good players in the SB. I think one of the major differences is uh, as far as like the gameplay is the structure. Then outside of it, I think there is like a slightly higher standard as far as like the way you have to treat the players, like providing like towels and like tape and all that stuff like on the road. Like I know sometimes in this league you don't have to do all that. So I think that's like the main difference. Bigger arenas too, but uh, I was only there for two months. So but what do you got, Igor? Um, totally agree with you. I wouldn't say there's like a big difference between the Fed. Obviously, the top team in the ASB and the bottom team in the Fed, two complete like opposites. Um, luckily, coming to Denver kind of gave me the second hope after Vermillion. Um, and it all depends on the culture you get into. I feel like a lot of teams in the ASB and the Fed are pretty like equivalent. Uh, the only thing that will separate is just the skill, right? The SB teams will just get some of the coast drop downs. Um, it, we all know, like, the coast level, it, it is better, but not significantly. So the top teams in the Fed can, um, I would say they can easily compete with the bottom three teams in the ASPE, I would say for sure. Um, I think that would be a good competition. Um, you kind of knocked it off, right? So it's not a lot in there. When you guys were involved this season in Vermilion, is obviously it made, like, almost international headlines the no-show game i don't know if you were still there george but uh igor igor but uh i don't know maybe something should be said about it right i mean what, yeah what do you want to explain what happened xavier at all yeah um i would just say it was a bit unprofessional uh ownership i think as far as like from a team standpoint we had a great team like great locker room like when I came here originally, I thought like it was a super close team. When I went there, I was like, "Wow, this team honestly might be even closer." And maybe it was because like every all the things that we went through, um, that might have brought the the boys closer together. But yeah, I think ultimately it's better that Danville doesn't have a team for this season. I know like the fans really want the Dashers, so hopefully they can get the, them back next year, the year after, and let things settle down. But yeah, I'll just say probably the ownership didn't wasn't as professional as it should have been at times and uh yeah i think it's better that we're all kind of on our own journey at this point when something like that happens um you're out of a job uh the 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 organization's gonna shut down does do the did the fans kind of ever cross your mind just in terms of how they were all so mistreated did that did that pass through your mind just in terms of you know like when when you're a fan all you can kind of do is show up and pay your hard-earned money you know to see the game For sure. and if the ownership doesn't keep up their commitments to the players there can be no game is what i mean to say but yeah. did, did any fans reach out to you guys what was the what, when that turmoil was going on what was kind of the reaction yeah there was definitely some fans uh i would say a minority of the fans wanted us to play and were like oh suck it up but most of the fans kind of uh empathized with the players and understood where we were coming from and they were super supportive throughout the whole time like they dropped off groceries um some of the guys they even venmoed some of the guys for gas or groceries uh like grocery and gas gift cards so yeah they definitely the two weeks of like turmoil like they definitely the community was awesome even like uh, up to like in champagne just like 45 minutes away like University of Illinois, like, dining hall was donating us food, too. So, wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah, so we were – it was cool to see that for sure. It goes to show that sometimes the fans are the people that care about the team most more than anybody. Yeah, you know, 100%. Yeah. Sometimes. Tell us about, like, 
how you guys have been enjoying it here. I mean, you're from Albany, which is far from here. Obviously, Boston's pretty much a... One of my Russian boys came up for our charity tournament, and he which is on a Saturday morning in Danbury. And, like, you know, he's, like, Russian. He's from Brooklyn. He thought it was, like, close enough to Boston, so he stayed in Boston the night before. No. What do you guys like about anything you guys stand out about liking living around this area for, for now at least? You got it. Um, I think this is a great area, especially after Danville, Illinois. 100%. <laughs> like, 100%. Uh, like, this is it. I mean, the fans are great. We kind of touched base on that everything comes from the fan base i mean we're awesome it's it's unbelievable to play here especially at the arena with all the history the past the galante family and everything that's been going on it's just it's just amazing you know um i personally enjoy that it's pretty close to new york city and boston like probably two hours to boston then an hour something no traffic to new york city so i think it's a great location it's just positive vibes and just great experience for now yeah i would agree kind of the going off that there's definitely a ton to do in the area and you can drive 30 40 minutes max and pretty much anything you need and then like you said boston's close new york close and i love going to the city so i definitely value that are your parents able to come to any of the games that they've been able to get down here yeah my uh, aunt and uncle come to most our most our home games it's like two hour drive so they're able to make it to a good amount yeah so unfortunately not really <laughs> um so they're just watching over my younger brother and just focusing on him. But every time there's like a YouTube or a SPHL, they're always watching and chirping me for my performance. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I happened to be watching some game tape the other day, uh, Igor, when you um, were tangled up with Brett Parker in Binghamton a while ago. What were you guys, I really want to know what you guys were talking about because that was a long conversation before you started the fight. You literally had like a fucking half hour consultation before you started throwing uh it, it was it was something that we both kind of weren't expecting so there was i think a scrum like uh, jess um gal was one of the kids and then i see parksy i just grab him and i was like hey how you doing man like all good and we're just skating away from it you know we're all laughing shooting like kind of jokes and then i point out i was like hey look they're filming us want to do something <laughs> and he was, he was like he was like yeah no so we keep drifting away to like a uh, left side and then i see he's just like not paying attention so i just yank him <laughs> and i yank him and unfortunately so hard he just went in his all force like like a little dog there's even like a picture somewhere where he's just like standing and i'm just like like controlling him and he got mad he gets up he's like bro bro what'd you do what'd you do and like for, for frustration he just like smanks me in the face kind of misses i'm like i'm like my bad like i didn't mean to <laughs> i was like calm down like it's all for the show and he's just like no i think we should go i was like okay you want to go throw it so the ref <laughs> is here and and he tries to throw a punch kind of like misses and the ref comes in and he was like well, well boys boys like you what are you guys doing what are you guys doing i was like i don't know what he's doing trying to fight i guess and um Parksy was like, oh, I'm not letting this happen. Like, we, you got to do something. I was like, so I drop it. And uh, we kind of start going at it. I went, he went, and then I I was like, you know what? I'm so annoyed with his helmet because every time I kept punching, it would just hit him, like hit oh. the visor. And I was like, you know what? I'm, let me try to get it off. So I just, like, took him with my left, and I just, like, I was like, don't move. And I'm, like, trying to rip it off. <laughs> and then at one point, he starts throwing it, and he's not hitting me. And um, I was just, you know what? This is a chance, and I kind of punched him like, <laughs> in this area and he just fell and I was like oh 
unfortunate. <laughs> so that's kind of the story. Something that went through my mind, uh, and don't ask me why, why I was watching a January game from, I think it was like January 28th or something like that. I just, I had like a hundred screens open on my computer and it was just open to that game. And I hit play on it the other day, but, um, you know, down six to two on the road, that was only your f- maybe fourth or fifth game with the team this season. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious, like it, in a game like that, where you're ultimately going to lose by four goals, did you kind of feel like you wanted to show that you could fight at that point, like if you had to, or or was it more just kind of you, you guys got tangled up and one thing led to another? Uh, f- for me, like it's kind of not the first fight, and the scrums is just a thing that always happens in the game. But in that situation, to be honest with you, I wasn't really looking at the score. Like, I know we're losing, but you're in so much momentum and drive. It's not like you want to show off. It's just a something you have to do. Um, the only thing that kind of gets me going, and I can't re- like, I'm trying to control myself most of the time. Obviously, right, you don't want to get a stupid penalty, but if one of my teammates gets hit, like in that situation, Jess went in, and that was like a big thing that happened between them. But if I'm going to stand up and protect one of my guys, like, unfortunately for me, it doesn't really matter what the score is. Like, it's one of those where, like, the other game in Watertown, Gons, Gonzalez got hit pretty badly, and we all just went in there. Mm-hmm, but I didn't care if we were losing or winning. So for me, like, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm not, like, Mr. Diamond Hands, Mr. Ames over no. here, with all due respect. <laughs> there's like, only one guy. There's like only that. one guy like that, but, you know, I'm not going to shy away from it. And for me, it's something that, if someone's going to ring a bell, I'm obviously going to answer it, um, especially if one of the guys needs protection. That's my perspective. To answer your question in that game, um, I didn't really care. It was kind of one of the points where he said it. I was like, the end of the game. Obviously, we had the next games in Watertown after. I was like, you know what? I know I can do it. I know I can take it. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong. Maybe give the guys extra hope, a little bit of buzz, and just send a message for playoffs, hopefully. The only other thing I was wondering when I watched it was, was there any kind of, because I know you played with Binghamton last mm-hmm. season, was there any other kind of bad blood between you and some of those guys? or? Uh, no, not really. I mean, and, and that that's the crazy part. After the fight, like, Parksy texted me. He was like, hey, good fight. So... A lot of times in hockey, you see all those crazy moments and be like, oh, the guys probably hate each other. Away from hockey in the locker room, all that stuff, the friendship is different. Um, in Binghamton, great place, great setup, great guys. Um, they were actually, every single time I was killed by Powell or someone on the team, they're like, dude, I thought we had your rights from last year. <laughs> every single time, I'm like, don't ask me. This is not, it's not me. It's not me. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those. That's pretty crazy, man. You know what I mean? It's just like how it all how it all played out that night, and uh, especially considering the week before, they they won the game on just a terrible, terrible call. And yeah, that, yeah. That, we were all frustrated from yeah. that, so just wanted to. Yeah, so, something looked like it was gonna boil over for sure. One thing I wanted to ask you, Xavier, is that when when you come in to a team that's been playing so well. Um, and there was really kind of a shortage of defensemen. How do you get, you know, I, I think as a defenseman, uh, you get used to your routine, right? Because it's a cycle over and over again. But, mm-hmm. like, how, how quickly did you get comfortable here and, and kind of get into a habit of doing what you have to do? Um, it's a good question. I think kind of just focus on myself when I can control. I think, like, when I'm aggressive, I play my best. So I just wanted to come, be aggressive, um, attack the game, and, 
also definitely a shout out to uh, Gonzo. I think we have really good chemistry, and uh, I know he played in Birmingham last year, and um, I picked up a few things from the training camp from their coach, and we kind of run some of those systems. So I think we we had really good chemistry, so it was really easy coming in and just playing with him. So I think he gave me a lot of confidence too, and uh, Billy is a defenseman as well. So yeah, I think his coaching um, and at this point he's kind of lets me just play my game so I, I feel pretty confident out there for sure you know um just just among my beer league friends you know like the goalies are always really tight and they always have so much to talk to uh pardon me to talk about but i also think like the defensemen have such a specific job you know mm. what i mean like it's it's kind of like similar to goalie it's like always the same thing sometimes there is different equipment from other skaters you know if you if i'm looking at your sticker on your water bottle here yeah. that says shot blockers i think that's ken <laughs> bellinger's thing right mm -hmm. uh but but like that that might be another thing but just kind of like there is kind of a fraternity among defensemen like it's a very specific job sometimes forwards try and hop back on d uh like zach pamillion does yeah but but it's it certainly is like a like a very specific job and you know what you have to do um how often do you do you kind of look to other defensemen, or how often do you do you look at a defenseman in the NHL? You even check that guy's stat sheet. Do you do that type of stuff? Yeah, for sure. I love watching hockey. Um, I'm a Stars fan, so I really like watching Haskinen's game. Yeah. I think the way he can get up and down the ice is phenomenal. And yeah, I think just watching those guys, like and what they do under pressure, is like the biggest thing. And um, I think breaking the puck out, zone exits, and then like offensive blue line stuff, like obviously Cal McCarr is always doing something oh, yeah. crazy and uh his edges so yeah just like little things you can do when you have time and space and things like that but yeah it's definitely definitely a craft i don't quite watch as much as i used to but that hiskinen from the stars i think he's even underrated probably to be honest because i don't know i just don't know how many people are really watching that team that hard to see how good he is because he's something man getting up and down the ice and changing direction and cut mm -hmm. uh kind of like north south transitioning to kind of west east like mm -hmm. uh, he, he's a really good skater and, and a great defenseman to watch um and then you know kind of bounce off of that you know igor how do you kind of are there any people you look at to like kind of build your game off of um so i'm actually very thankful for kind of being born into ovechkin and crosby era um, I don't. I don't think we see anything like this like nowadays. Where you like, I don't know who do we compare nowadays. Like, ah, uh, there's nobody. I, Matthews against McDavid, but like, there's nothing equal to it. So for me, um, I was always amazed with the way Crosby just even skates. Um, that's something that I just trying to combine both of them, Ovechkin and Crosby. But it's so tough. Two different players. Um, but those are my two go-to that I would always like look up to and try to do something i mean they're they're just on a different level there is a reason why we play here and they make the big bucks but um those are the two ones that i would always look up to and then also two favorite nhl teams since you know we already got xavier's take um i don't really have one i'm one of those who just tries to like follow up the game um 
I think I think the bees because from Boston. I think they're stacked this year. It's amazing to always yeah. watch him. Tampa. I just I just love the way Cooper does everything. So like for me, it's not even the team. It's the way the team is organized and the way they play together. So like whatever systems they run. And um, I personally cannot watch like Arizona. Like I just don't know why. <laughs> I just it's just like no. Um, <laughs> Colorado. I'll just watch because of McKinnon. Uh, so there are a lot of teams where I'll just watch for the superstars, but if it's a team that has everything in it, like Tampa, Bruins, oh, I'm in love. I wouldn't say they're my favorite team, and I'm just like, I'm in love with them. That's, I don't have a team. That's my perspective. Well, Phil, you should be in love with the people that are your favorite, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but uh, you know, I'm always, just, just to kind of talk a little bit about the NHL here, not too much for Joe Trench's sake, um, <laughs> but um, I'm always amazed that, you know, um, you know, being that my brother kind of coached basketball down in in that area for, for in two different stints, a total of ten years, uh, I'm always amazed that Ovechkin and them didn't get another cup down there. Like, I, I just think it's the difference between the two organizations. Like, the Penguins, they were already this Mario Lemieux organization. The city, the fans, the owners kind of knew what they had to do to prop the Penguins up, but I kind of feel like the, the Capitals were always the little engine that could, you know, kind of kind of like not not that popular of a team, not super successful. And I think Ovechkin really made their image of success. Yep. You know, I don't know. I, I can't really, you know, unless there's something I'm really missing, I, I, I can't think of a time when they were really, really competitive before Ovechkin, not, unless I'm missing something, but... I think it just goes to show like the Stanley Cup is just so hard to win too. Impossible. Like, the Caps were, I mean they they were loaded up too for a long time. Obviously Backstrom, Carlson, they've had those guys forever, and they've had good teams, but yeah, they just couldn't get it done. Think about a couple of years ago. You know what? Nobody ever. Re- I mean, there's there's people who talk about it, but how about that Tampa Bay had gotten eliminated in the first round? Two, yeah. Was it the year before they won two in a yep. row? Yeah. Right. So it's just like. Yeah. Unbe- unbelievable parody in the NHL playoff pyramid. You know, what I mean, yeah, the, the sure. playoff brackets in the NHL, and it's a, it's the most exciting time to watch that. And and you know what's kind of crazy is um, I'm I'm getting excited about the the Commissioners Cup playoffs because, um, you know, for a long time up here in this kind of region, there was never a team in real driving distance with a real rink like Binghamton and if we play against them or if we play against Elmira whoever it is you know it's like there's Elmira's a little further away but I do feel like we could bring fans there and they could bring fans here and it could be a real playoff atmosphere you you guys haven't played in the playoffs yet huh no 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 so that's that's something I'm sure you guys are looking forward to. How how far did you guys go in your you know in your amateur careers? Did you guys ever win championships and stuff on the high school or college or? In college, we made it to the um, our UCHE final, which is at Utica rink, and they have an AHL barn, and they packed that out. So I played in front of a lot of people, and they're always really good. So was Utica in your conference? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was a, they always had a good pro they always had a really good program. Yeah. Really good coach. I can't think of his name. Uh, Gary Heenan. Yeah, yeah. Gary Heenan. R- really good coach. Um what about you, Aaron? Unfortunately, <laughs> like not a lot of action. <laughs> um obviously we did a lot of tournaments with Salve. We did the Norwich tournament, we did the Utica tournament. Um we lost uh both of my years. Uh, my first year. Um 
junior-wise, probably second round of playoffs with Walpole. That was the best out of all of us. Um, high school-wise, um, we lost probably like a third round. Um, the only thing that I played on the Fenway, that's the only thing I have the coolest wow, experience. So, nice. so I scored, I did like five celebrations. Who yeah. did you play with? Uh, so it was um, Zavarian, my high school against Malden Catholic. That's awesome. Oh, it, was, it was amazing. It was like, uh, I still have the pictures. They, cool. I believe Malden Catholic had some pro guys come out of that school. Yeah, you know, yeah. a lot a lot of those guys. College guys yeah. too, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? What, what do you guys, just in terms of, you know, the long term, you know, however many years after uh, you're done playing, what, what do you guys like to get into? You guys want to be involved in hockey or are there other interests you have? Um, honestly, anything like creative or with sports, I, I'm into. So as long as I don't have to like open Excel every day, huh. I think I'll be pretty happy. Yeah. So talk about fucking murder. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, what was your master's in? Uh, business administration. Yeah. And then undergrad, I was uh, marketing with digital media minor. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. What about you? I'm just going to work for him. That's a good idea. <laughs> you guys can start a business together. Yeah. yeah. Sure? Um, but um, I don't know. It's such a tough question that I don't even want to look into because hockey has been such a big piece. Um, f- definitely right now, I can't. I, I just can't see myself as a coach or something. That yeah. Uh-huh. Way. Uh, I want to believe that hopefully my kids I'll, I'll give them something from the hockey piece but at the same time I don't want to force them to play hockey and yeah. that's something that's tough with this sport that if you want um, your kids to be very good at it you have to start at the young age at the young age when they probably don't even know that they want to play this game or they don't so that's a tough situation where I'm not really sure um, it's always been kind of my life and I've always been around it but hopefully the passion will be there and I'll keep going with it. So no, it's, 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 uh, it's kind of cool to, you know, be playing pro hockey, but I always wonder if you guys have, sometimes the guys have like weird things they want to get into or, yeah. or have kind of weird dreams of opening up certain types of businesses. So it's kind of interesting. Um, when, when you talk to the guys about that, but another thing I wanted to ask you guys is what's the vibe right now like in practice on a day-to-day type of thing, you know, because I, I kind of been talking to Billy on the side just about different things, and it, it it seems like he really wants you guys zeroed in right now. Yeah, um, it's one of those where it's the playoff time, but um, the main thing that we have, and it's something that I'm just happy that I can experience, is the compete level. It could be a bad day, it can be a good day. The boys are always locked in to get better. I think if something that we keep going with this especially in the practice um it would get us much farther than anything obviously like we have fun like different different like drills that will just be like you know what we're gonna have some fun like three v three but at the same time billy does a great job and he has a very good plan like in um, and in my past two years in minor hockey with vermilion probably changed like went through five coaches and billy's probably my sixth coach and it's such a big difference that he has his plan. He knows what he wants. And it's so I'm, I'm just thankful and happy to see that the coach that just wants the best, not only for the team, but for a specific person. That's something that's very important. And that's just amazing. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, with the compete, we at this point in the season, we're not on the ice for an hour and a half. But when we're going, we're going hard. And then I think mentally is one of the biggest things, like you said, being zeroed in and like attention to detail is critical for us right now so I think that's something 
or focus on as far as like positioning and even little stuff like where we're going like routes and stuff skating through drills so you guys skating about 40 minutes a day maybe or something like that yeah 45 yeah. maybe maybe an hour you Just can stay later if you want yeah. get your touches in yeah. i xavier i saw you stayed later today i saw that i yeah i always stay after yeah I like to shoot pox and skate what i wanted to ask you guys is i george i know you're in school but i mean just outside of hockey you know like um do you guys have little things? I mean, you're living in the hotel, and there's a lot of travel involved, and there is kind of the grind of going back and forth to the rink, and not that it's the worst thing that could be, but what do you guys do to kind of mellow out? Do you guys have a little hot? Like, are you guys, like, really into, uh, I don't know, words with friends or something like that? <laughs> what's what's something that takes your mind away from it all? Um so i'm staying with my uh friend's family shout out to the berries but i like to cook so i'll just go to the grocery store and cook for like an hour or two that's my kind of way to relax and treat myself um for me personally i i, I have a lot going on to be honest with you with the school <laughs> I, I i just kinda, his kid is a character kinda, i like kind of got a got a job at the real estate too uh, as a part-time but you got your real estate license in Connecticut? So not yet. Like so, yesterday was my first day. Um, shout out Diamond Properties. Oh wow! Um, so they kind of hooked me up, and I'm just trying to learn what is it. Uh, usually in the summer, I work at the dealership. I sell cars as a car salesman. That's awesome. Um, so every time we get back from the practice, the game, the boys always get together in one of the rooms, and we just like, we talk. I think you mentioned it. We always have something to talk about. Um, for me, I kind of. He has cooking obsession. I just, um, I don't know, I just sometimes, you know, you got to chill in your room by yourself, read a little book, currently reading uh, Dostoevsky. Really? Yeah, um, Crime and Punishment. Wow, so what I'm a trying great to, book. Trying to get, like, better every second mentally and off the ice and just uh, enjoy it. I think that's the biggest part of it. Um, no matter if we have a good weekend or a bad weekend, we still have to enjoy the part of outside of hockey. Incidentally, we do a book show right out of this office once a week, and I use this voice. Perfect. It's my Jonathan Schwartz voice. And I think, Igor, I'll I join think, you. I'll I join think you. you're going to have to come on and talk about Dostoevsky's Crime and to. Punishment. Yeah. That would be really awesome. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to ask you guys, just kind of before we let you go here, you guys, you guys have been great. Who do you guys, like, you know, one thing that I don't know if the fans, um, maybe they don't know much about is, like, who do you guys train with in the offseason and where do you skate? You know what I mean? When you're, when you, you know, you're selling cars or you're doing what you do in the offseason, who and where do you, do you find your, your training time? So for me, my other job in the summer is actually um, skills coaching. I work for Tim Driscoll. Okay. Um, he's a guy in the Boston area, played in AHL, um, NHL, and just a lot of skills. Usually during the day, we'll work with little kids. And then after, he's got like an older group that I'll hop in with. Um, also, sometimes I'll hop in with the guys in Worcester Railers. We got a nice little group with a couple of AHL guys, Coast guys, that would just skate on the weekends. A um, couple summer leagues, um, Lovells, um, you know, like Adam Goddard, all those guys that have their league. We kind of get up there and skate there too. Um, Gym-wise, um, I kind of have like my own program that um, with the stuff that's going on, I used to go to this guy um, kind of that was a sauce here with Worcester, but with all the stuff that's going on, he just gave me like a plan. Um, and I'll just work out by myself. Um, but skating-wise, like, 
Uh, thankfully, nowadays, there is no such problem as fighting ice, I guess, especially in the Boston area. So anywhere I go, like, there's always a buddy or someone or, like, a skating coach or David Conniff is not a good friend of mine um, who always has ice, and I would love to either help out with little kids and then stay after or just uh, skate and play hockey. Is he related to John Conniff? That I think that's his father. So yeah, yeah, I like think his full NHL name. executive. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, that was kind of uh, the path I was skating with him during the COVID, um, and while he was coaching in the Railers, um, kind of talked to him. And I was like, hey, like I'll do anything for the opportunity, um, and he gave it to me. And since then, we've been like good friends and been helping a lot with me, just maturing and just being a professional. That's cool. What about you, Xavier? Who, wh where do you skate and stuff? Yeah, um, in high school and like early in college, I would just work out in Albany. But last summer, I uh, I trained in Long Island at Northwell at the Twin Rink. So they have a gym there, and uh, that's where like the LIU guys practice and skate. So I uh, trained with them. Uh, three Three IE Fitness, I believe, is the name of the gym. Um, John and his team are like they're amazing. They, Rick DiPietro used to train there. I think Shane Pinto on the senators he he trains areas along island kids so. yeah yeah um who who's like person running the skates at northwell is it a coach or specific coach or the name of the coach i i forget now yeah. um but like our skating coach in the in the summer jamie she's she's incredible she came, helped me a lot last summer so that was my first first summer there i was there for all of where'd you live um with liu hockey house so wow. some of those guys yeah so yeah, my uncle um, works for the team and uh, kind of hooked it up. With That's pretty cool. I mean, you had a graduate year. Any interest from them to go up there and play? Um, a little bit, but I was just happy happy to go back at Wilkes. I think as far as like playing time and stuff like that, it, it was just more better situation for me to probably just go back to Wilkes. Yeah. Plus, uh, every like when we my junior year technically was the first year of a program, so. There was 18 of us that graduated last year, and we had such a tight group. I didn't really want to leave them either. So, okay, guys, the question everybody's waiting for: Where's your favorite place to eat in Danbury? <laughs> <laughs> this is the one that you, know, you guys didn't want to talk about on the air. You got yours. His house. He's cooking. <laughs> um, I'll cook for you. Um, I don't. Um, Minas, is that the place? Have you been there? Minas, I've been right? Minas. Yep. I would say Pollo. Mm. I don't know if you guys have been there. It's on Main Street. It's like rotisserie chicken. Yes. Oh, okay. It's really it's really good. Yeah. Is it really good? Oh, I, it's phenomenal. I, I, you're the first person to review it. Yeah, you're the I first go. person to tell me they about it. They make their own sauces, too. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. It's, it's phenomenal. That might be it. That's, but we got to make the Minas field trip first. Yeah, oh, we got to do that first. Yeah, what about you guys? Like, We, st we still have it. Um... Really, it's a toss-up for me between the diner and TK's. I'm just kind of back and forth between the two of them every day. But uh, I also like hummus and pitico. That was my backup really choice. Nope. Hummus and pitico is phenomenal. Not everybody likes it. To me, it's pretty good, man. It's fresh. and uh, Yeah, it's, no, it's really You don't really have good. to eat meat if you don't want to. You know what no. I mean? So Although I do get the uh, the chamois and all that. That's good sure, stuff. Yeah, that's good. yeah, I actually brought that to the hotel last week, and I offered J-Mac some hummus. And he's never had hummus, which I think is kind of crazy. crazy. Such a I, think, thing. I think Toots never had hummus either. I don't know how a guy with those sunglasses and Johnny Mac has never had hummus. Yeah. yeah that's... <laughs> if you're listening, you got to get some hummus in you. 
<laughs> I think J-Mac lost those sunglasses. So there are no more sunglasses. No, that was only a couple days ago, wasn't it? I saw him it was like last week. I think he got two pairs. Oh, my goodness. He's <laughs> a backup. He's, yeah, he's got like the uh, fake pair of Ray-Bans that he wears oh, in public. Oh, come on, come on. They're, no, they're, the ones they're he probably wears in real. And, you know, in case he goes to the club and there's a stick-up, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I hope they're both real. You know, let's not do them like that. Fake, fake Ray-Bans. Well, you know, like, kind of like the fake jewelry when you go to the club. If you get robbed, you know what I mean? It's yeah. gone. Um very last thing, what do you guys like to do on the bus? Do you guys just like to be with the boys? Some some guys really have, like, they just can't, kind of either want to sleep or listen to something. What do you guys like? I think on the way to where we're going, I pretty much just sleep or listen to music. But after the games, my body just gets so tight, I try and just walk or stand up, and I'll just chop, chop it up with the boys. Yeah, um, obviously on the way there, just trying to, look professional listen to some good music and uh, maybe read something um, also depends on the trip right um, on the way back I'm a big sleep guy um, sometimes if we have the good stories going oh my god like <laughs> uh, you would have to you would have to just stay with the boys and just enjoy the time and listen to all this crazy stuff that happens to us in the federal yeah. or the spill yeah exactly and you know to close things out we're heading into this weekend. We got, you know, one game at home against Watertown. It's alumni night, and, you know, you guys top of the league now, so congrats on that. Thank um, you. How are you guys, you know, feeling going into this weekend, and what are you looking forward to most? Um, I think going in, uh, as far as playing Watertown, they've kind of been like a pest to us a little bit, like had our number just hanging in games. But I think if we just take care of the details and just play our game, kind of forces them to make mistakes and the game kind of comes to us and we can capitalize so uh i think that 6-2 win was huge for us so i i feel pretty good going into the weekend yeah that's a big thing um obviously it's a big night with the alumni night but hopefully um we'll do our best um we just got to do what we do the best at this point um we are at the top of the league but Watertown is that one of the teams that just sneaks up on you yeah um not a big fan of playing against them not a big fan of playing at their barn um, but we're definitely get them for sure. Again, thank you guys for coming on, and uh, we look forward to this weekend yeah, watching yeah. you guys play. Yeah, you Thanks guys have been us. really kicking ass. Thanks for coming in. Yep, thank you. Hey, this is Tyler Nose with the 2013 Commissioner Cup champion and current head coach of the Danbury Junior Hattricks of the NA3HL, and you're listening to Hattrick City on WXCI. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to. Patrick City. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake. As always, joined by my lovely co-host, Mr. Yes, very lovely. Uh, DJ Uncle Matt. And today, for our ongoing Danbury Whaler series, we have the one and only Mr. Hockey himself, Lynn Beadle. Lynn, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Lynn, it's really great to have you on the show. Um, you know, we, we go back a long way in terms of the Federal Hockey League and the Danbury Whalers. And even before that, when you uh, you were kind of pioneering this level of hockey with uh, the Hudson Valley Bears and whoever else was was around, I think you played on the uh, the famous Connecticut uh, Seamen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Which was an Espo run team. Uh, in the uh, in the very short-lived Northeast Professional Hockey League, uh, which is like the it was like the uh, yeah it was uh, it was an experience to say the least. But Lynn, you 
or an NCAA champion with Norwich University, played with, uh, I think you played with a couple of NHL players there. You played uh, one highlight of your career, as I think you played in the ECHL during the 2004-2005 lockout of the NHL. You were found the job in the ECHL, and then you uh, put three solid years together with the Danbury Whalers, uh, and you were a part of the championship team here. What are you up to, Lynn? Uh, right now? Yeah. Uh, now, now I'm just, uh, I, I just try to kind of, now I've uh, managed my back pain so I can skate once a week because I'm getting older. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, I got a, I got a crew down here that I skate with. And, uh, you know, now just, just, uh, I just dream of the old days of uh, playing, playing when I used to play competitive hockey. And I, now I'm just a, uh, working stiff and I try to have fun my one night a week playing hockey, which is uh which is always a blast. Got a gr- good group of guys that I skate with here. So let's talk about, you know, just uh, for the listeners out there, how did you first come to Danbury? Uh, what was your situation kind of leading up to coming here? Um, it was uh, actually a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine, uh, Pete Dannenhauer was, playing for and it was before i ever played in the league it, it was there was a league that had a team from uh valley forge and it was it was before the ephl and the nephl and he he had played in that and he was telling me about uh this um I, i'm pretty sure it was when it was the hudson valley bears and he, he was hooked up with espo before i was and he told me about it. He's like, yeah, you, you know, cruise up there. We play, you know, we get a couple beers afterwards and, you know, it's good hockey. It's Czech hockey. And, you know, maybe you get a stick or you get, you know, get your beers paid for or something like that, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think either of those happened, but it was, <laughs> it was still, uh, it was still fun to play. And uh, it just kind of uh, planted a seed uh, for me with kind of uh, with hockey. Cause I kind of, I, I, when I, when I, f- I finished at Norwich, I was, I was coming off of uh off of being sick and just, you know, there was never really a, a, any kind of a future for me with hockey aside from, you know, coaching or playing men's league. And, um, you know, he kind of opened that door and kind of uh, re-energized uh, that, you know, like, Hey, I could still, uh, I could still kick around and play some competitive hockey. And then uh, as things unfolded and the, the leagues developed and, you know, more, uh, organizations got stronger uh, that really turned into a real league over a couple of years. And then that ended up, uh, uh, we started get we got the Danbury Whalers out of that. Tell tell me, Lynn. You know, you had that great freshman year. It looked like at Norwich University, you put up eleven points in twenty two games. That's pretty good for a true freshman. I'm I'm assuming you were right out of high school too, right? No, I played uh, I played junior hockey in uh, Bridgewater, Mass. Uh, for t- I did that for two years. Oh, really? Yeah. Who'd you play for? The Bandits. Yeah, Bridgewater Bandits. I think it was. Uh... Oh man, what the hell was the league? Um, it's it's the um, uh, I can't remember the league. Uh, was it the EJ? The yes, the EJ. That was it. Yeah, and and then you went to Norwich and kind of want to tell the listeners kind of the story from there. Well, I got um, I did. I wasn't great with my uh, with my grade, so I was kind of I was kind of uh, behind the eight ball with schools showing interest in me and and i i was kind of on that break line of of division one division three talent and uh without the grades it kind of i was definitely uh if anything on a d3 level of uh opportunity and i was uh i was looking at uh, salem state 
and um and Norwich and then there was a possibility of West Point but the grades kind of kind of snuffed that out uh, pretty quick and uh I went I went to a visit to Salem State and it, it was a cool school but I I knew I knew I the, the military school so Norwich is a military school and uh that that just appealed to me more cuz I you know I needed I definitely needed some discipline and needed, needed to uh and I always liked military stuff. So, and it, and it was an awesome program and they were building a brand new rink and they had a, a great coach and it just, you know, it, che- it checked all the boxes and it, it was, uh, it, so th- I, I ended up uh, going there and the, the guy that recruited me was the assistant coach. The head coach never saw me play until I was there. And my freshman year, he ended up getting a job, uh, I think as an assistant with a D1 program, I think like UNH or something. And so he never, <laughs> by the time, so when I was there, and it was a freshman class of like 15 guys. They had a brand new rink. They were highly recruiting that year and they wanted to come out, you know, guns blazing. So I, I was kind of starting, starting from scratch with, you know, establishing myself on the team and getting to, you know, the other coaches to see who I was. And I guess when you were there, you guys won a couple of national championships, huh? Yeah, we went to, um, I, with, with, with my, with the, with the medical stuff, I ended up getting a, I ended up getting a medical red shirt the one year. So I ended up getting to play. I, I played a, a few games the one year, and then I had to had to leave school. But I ended up getting five years of play. And I think out of those five years, we went to the fro- uh, the. I think we were we were in the Frozen Four four of those years, maybe even five of them. Wow. Yeah, championship game. <clears throat> I remember the the year, uh, the year before. So I so my I think it was my sophomore year, we won the national championship, and then. Uh, the 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 year before we won it the second time the year before that we um, we were in the finals and I think we lost in Middlebury I don't think we were playing Middlebury I can't remember um, but uh, I was up there watching and it was overtime goal that we lost to so it was like it was this there was a huge momentum to uh, have this kind of road back to the final four and we had a great season and the team was awesome and and uh, we ended up back in the final four and won the national championship that very next year. And I was on the team for the whole, the whole time I was, I was good health wise and I was back uh, playing. So it was, it was a cool, it was a cool story and very fulfilling. And, you know, it was, it was nice to, uh, it was nice to have that and be a part of it. Do you want to go into a little bit about, you know, um, just some of the stuff you experienced health wise while you were in college? Well, I had, uh, I had, I had, I had testicle cancer and I found out when I was, uh, geez, I was, it was, I think it was my sophomore year. I found out or not my sophomore year, my, my junior year, the start of my junior year is, is when I found out I went and it was, you know, I, I went and I, I had some, some kind of pains that didn't go away and I went and got checked out and they were like, you know, right away the guy. And I went to, I went to my school doctor we had you know it was a pretty intimate uh setting there with with the school very like very close with a lot of the professors and people so they had their own little doctors and stuff and you know he was the one that told me and and i, I went over and ha- i went over to the hospital for you know checkups and ultrasounds and all that stuff and then the, the guy from the infirmary i remember i remember i was in my in my room and the guy was like he's like yeah he's like you got a you know, from just from the scans, he's like, "Yeah, you got you have testicle cancer, and you know this is this is not going to be some little thing." And I was just like, "What?" And I was like, "What the hell is cancer?" I, I you know, it was a, yeah. it was definitely a shocking moment. Wow, and 
you continued to you continue to try to play after you were dealing with all these things, huh? Yeah. So 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 pretty much, I I, I think so. My 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 freshman year, hockey wise, I I did I did I did pretty pretty well, and you know I I was trying to you know find my way in, into the team and kind of you know establish myself, and then the next year, this my sophomore year, I had some. Um, some problems in school and ended up failing. I ended up failing off after first semester. So I had to sit out second semester and that's when they won the national championship. So it was, and then I got my, that year with that, that semester was my best year with, uh, with my grades. And I got a, like a 3.0 and got back on the team. And luckily the coach was, you know, everyone liked me up there and, and the coach took me back, no issues. And like looking back now, you know, he could have easily been like, listen, you're just, you know, this is, you know, we can bring another guy in here. This is a huge program. And, um, you know, they, they, they stuck with me. And, and, um, uh, so at, pretty much at that point I come back, I find out I'm sick, I have to leave. And at that point it really was not so much about being on the first line or trying to, you know, have this point or that point. It was just about being, staying part of it. And, uh, when I came back, so I had, I had a surgery where they cut, from pretty much just maybe four inches below your belly button all the way up to your right below your chest. And they cut your abs open and did all kinds of work in there and took lymph nodes out and who knows what else was going on. And so I had that surgery done at the end of the, I believe it was right at the end of the summer. So I, and, and once all that, all that scarring heals up, you're, you know, that's your abs, which is a huge, you know, a huge part of uh, being an athlete. And, it was, uh, I remember the first, uh, off ice program, uh, that I, I joined, you know, I went to, I went and did everything that I could, but I mean, they, these guys, I would just be walking around the track and it, uh, it went from that to slowly getting stronger and slowly getting stronger. And I got myself ready, you know, and we started what, you know, whenever the season starts, I don't know if it's, uh, maybe October, the season starts. And I was, I was practicing and playing, uh, you know, uh, at that point. So I, w I was pretty happy that I got to that got to that point where I was physically able to, you know, be at that level and and play and compete. You finished your career at Norwich, and then you kind of moved on after a while to the ECHL for a bit. You got a little taste of that level. T tell us how you got there and what your experience was like. So that was a that was a, uh probably the probably the coolest hockey experience for me and it was um it had really nothing to do with me it was uh, had to do with I mean it had to do with a friendship I had and it was with um a good friend of mine Jeremy Domish who and he he played uh he played in Rockford for a long time he played in England in the high leagues um he played at UMass Lowell a tremendous hockey player defenseman stocky powerful you know Incredible shot. And he was playing in Trenton and he called me the one, the one night I was just home. Uh, I picked up, uh, I, that's when I was coaching. I was coaching a junior team in Bethlehem that, uh, that my, my, my dad was involved with and my uncle and my other uncle. And then it, one of our, one of their friends that they grew up all playing hockey together. So they had a junior program and I was, I was the head coach of that. And that was kind of the direction I was going in Dom Domish called me up and uh he was like hey he's like he's like we got some injuries and some call-ups why don't you cruise down here and skate in the morning and if the coach thinks you fit you'll be playing that night 
and it was uh it was a it was a wild uh wild experience because that um you know i never first of all never thought i would be going to play pro hockey you know at that point you know a lot of you know after you know how i left school and you know it just just was never you know i was i was not being like recruited to pl- to play for any of these teams or anything like that so he just kind of opened that door for me i went down there that morning i did the pregame skate with the team and uh the assistant coach did some uh, stuff with me after afterwards, ran me through some drills. And then afterwards they're like, yeah, we can use you. We'll, we, you know, go down to the head office and fill out, fill out some paperwork and, uh, and you'll be playing, playing that night. And that <laughs> night I, <laughs> yeah, it was wild. I was like, I was like, this is crazy. So I get, you know, I come down to the, come down to the rinks, you know, luckily I had my, my buddy there with me. So I had, you know, I just stayed, stayed with him. You know, I didn't really know the the protocol or routine or anything like that. So we, I cruise into the rink and I walk in and, you know, it's hustling and bustling. There's, you know, the equipment guy, all the coaches, everyone's doing their, their thing that, you know, that they've been doing for so, for so long. This is probably like a mid season situation. And uh, I walk in there and I have a jersey with my name on it and all the, you know, I had all the gear and it was, uh, it was a, it was a really cool experience. Well, yeah. And it was, uh, I think right around that time, did Trenton go to the Kelly Cup finals? The, so, so that year they didn't, they, I think they won it the next year, which I played, I think I played like two games, maybe three games for them that year uh, as a, as a quick fill in. And, um, and that was the year they went and, and won, uh, won the Kelly cup, which was cool. And, and uh, Domus was on that team. So, and I, then I, at that point I had known a couple guys and I, and from the program. And so when the, I got to go down at, the, at when they had their little uh, celebration and got to, you know, hang over with everyone and, and uh, celebrate with them a bit. So what do you remember about being up here in Danbury? I mean, I know we're at, we're at the 10 year mark of the, the championship season now, and there was some time before that, but what do you remember about, you know, getting up here and kind of getting yourself uh, acquainted with uh, the area? Um, Yeah. I have to, I have to dive into the memory. I can't believe it's, it's been so long ago. It's, uh, it's, it's wild, but um, I, I, I remember, uh, I, I mean, right when I got there, it was pretty cool. So another guy, uh, actually another guy, Devin guy was the, was the, was the player who got me to, uh, play in Danbury. He, cause I played with him with Hudson Valley bears and he was already, uh, in the program there with Danbury right from the start. And he, same thing. He called me up and he's like, he's like, dude, this, this is a, this is a great op. This is a great scene up here. You know, the, you know, the, the people come to the games, the rink is great that, you know, the teams run well, like you, you gotta, you gotta come give this a shot. So same type of thing. I went up there and, and, uh, you know, met everyone skated and it just turned into one of those things that was going to maybe be like a weekend or a week. And it just ended up being the rest of the season. Uh, but I remember what, you know, getting up there and we were all staying in, I forget the hotel we were staying at, but we had Crown that was Plaza. yeah the Crown Plaza, which was uh, which was awesome. The the front the guys at the front were were super cool and very accommodating, and they had like a block of rooms on the one floor in the back, and some of the guys had the conjoining rooms, and you know we some of the guys would take the <laughs> all the beds and put them in one room, and the, the couches in one, so you have like a lounge room, and then the the bedroom, and uh, so that that was it was a different it was a change, but it was it was cool, and when. You were playing hockey. All that, all that stuff doesn't never doesn't matter at all. It's, it makes it all worth it. 
I think that building has been condemned, Beads. It's like a, <laughs> yeah, it's right. not, it's yeah. giant. It's the biggest building in all of Danbury, and it's like dead over there by yeah. the highway. <laughs> uh, it's pretty rough. Uh, just, you know, tell us, I mean, we, we, I guess you didn't really get a chance to play in that playoff series there, but what do you remember about that celebration, that that kind of uh, explosion of, of, of emotion? Um. For for me for me it was great. I mean I I wasn't I shifted over right at the, right at the end to uh, get on the coaching side. You know it was there was uh, we know it was a matter of you know getting some other players in the lineup and you know I've always been a team guy so I was I was totally fine with that and I shift I shifted over to help out uh, with some of the coaching on the on the D end and uh, for me personally it was great because we when you're in those leagues and you're, and you're playing, you, it, you're playing against these same teams. It's, you know, you don't, it's not like 20 teams. It's, you know, it's a small group of guys, you know, all the players you're playing against. Some of them you're all right with most of them you hate. And, you know, every year you're just grinding to try to put a bid in and win this little league and, and make it all, make everything that you're, you're putting in worth it and, you know, not winning and then not winning. And then finally having a team that's like, okay, this is, you can see, you know, the, the momentum building behind the team through the season rather than just the kind of this end of the year, like hopefully we win it. We'll change some things up at the last minute. Like we had a, we had momentum and we were pushing as, as in my eyes, a, a favorite, and um, it was just great to have all that come together at the end and, you know, be able to celebrate that and win it with everybody. And, you know, the fan, the fans, the fans deserve that freaking that championship, you know, more than more than anybody. And, you know, so it was just really cool that everyone was just on the same level celebrating and just being stoked about about winning that winning it and winning in Danbury was was really cool. Yeah. And then. You know, going off of that, what advice would you give to this Patrick's crew that's kind of pursuing in that same kind of footstep? I mean, they're top of the league right now, um, just really winning out every game that they can and really looking for a run this year. I would say, you know, like you, you those, the, the, each game, there's always something that, that you can, that you could take away from it and build on. And when you have the momentum of a team in a position to be going in the, in the direction of, a, a possible championship bid you don't pay attention to little you know nonsense or small losses or small battles that you lose or maybe even you go on like a little two three game skid and lose a couple games like you have to get to a point where you keep that you know that championship mindset and the mentality of it doesn't matter what what just happened there it's where we're going it you know you you think about it's you, you start prioritizing, well, you know, that we had that one good shift or this guy did that. And he, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't had a play like that in a while. And you, you focus on those, on those, those, you know, positive little things, that, you know, instead of the, the, the bad stuff or any negative stuff and, and you, and you get everybody on board, you know, making sure that you're in and out of the lineup guys are still part of, of the mix. And, you know, that, that just builds the, that just builds the confidence and keeps everyone on the same page. And you, before you know, it's just a snowball effect. You just keep rolling. Yeah. And, you know, something just to um, kind of comment on is, you know, you were, you were with the league kind of from day one. And, and I think that a lot of people, especially in those days, had the idea that Danbury would have been the number one team in the league. They had 
they had kind of rolled through some better, uh, some some lesser leagues after the Trashers had folded, and you know, nobody was sure what was going to be with the Federal League. Can you, you know, you you were there from day one of the Fed until uh, they won the championship. Can you just talk about like how how hard it was to actually do it? You know. Yeah, you know what? There's 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 so many factors. Um, you know, from uh like your like your personnel. Like in the beginning, you know, the, there was there was guys that you know you, you probably you know shouldn't have been playing in that league, you know, kind of that but you know, you're trying to build the team and build the league, so you have you have some guys that you know, it's like yeah, you know, this this probably this guy probably isn't the caliber of a professional hockey player, but he's here, he's working hard and you don't really have any other options. And so early on you had a lot of that. Plus then you have guys that, you know, maybe you have a guy that's local and has already picked, you know, kind of turned the page to get into, get into his professional life and and a non-hockey life. And you're, you know, picking these guys up for, you know, maybe just having these guys for games and not having them for practice, which could, can work for you and against you. Some of the, a lot of the guys, we had guys like that, like a Chris Seifert, Chris Seifert wasn't at all the practices, but when he came to the game, he was such a, a guy's guy with the team and the players that you just love to see him. Like, you know, where, you know, some of the guys, you know, had some, some issues with some of the other guys that would come in, come in just for the, the weekend games. And it's like, you know, I've been here grinding all week at practice, but the reality is this guy's going to put up more points without the practice. And the, the end of the day that we're here to win games and you have to, find a find a place to be comfortable with these players that are coming in on the weekend so once we got into that final year we had less of that and on the personnel side i think that is is a huge factor you know i'm sure it's it's even grown beyond that that place now where you're seeing the same guys every day and those are the guys you you're practicing with your line that you're playing with and you know there's it's it's more fluid and things like that definitely definitely help um and and i i would think now it's it's you know a lot you know a lot of those factors are probably not involved yeah i mean that uh it was certainly an incredible run and it was dan Barry's only uh professional championship that you guys collected and it took a lot of work to get there it took a lot of moving parts and uh changing stuff up after a while and and, and commitment from people so lynn i i I think we want to thank you for coming coming on and uh, going down memory lane with us as we've been uh, tracking the the 10-year anniversary of the Whalers Championship here on the Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7 Westcon Radio. Uh, Lynn Beadle, uh, really a legend in Danbury hockey and probably in in all hockey in the Northeast. Uh, thanks for thanks for joining us tonight, man. I appreciate you having me and uh and good luck. Have fun this weekend. I wish I wish I could be I wish I could make it, but I unfortunately not gonna make it up this weekend. And uh I'm sure it'll be it'll be great. Herm's killing it up there and with you guys on the on the radio has gotta be great. And uh I, w- I wish I could be there and, and I'm sure it'll be a fun night and a fun weekend. Hope to see you soon, bud. All right, brother. All right, thanks guys. Bye bye. Of course, thank you. See ya. All right, folks, and that will do it. For Hattrick City here on WXCI 91.7 FM and streaming online at WXCI.org. If you're here in this day early, streaming on all streaming platforms, and it is already there if you're listening to this on the radio. So, again, I want to thank 
Paige Lugo for coming in and enlightening us about the U14 team. And again, if there's anything you can kind of contribute, um, you're more than welcome to go again on our socials, underscore Hattrick City on Instagram. We have a link in bio there, as well as our Hattrick City Facebook page and Hattrick City Pod on Twitter. You can go to any one of those. GoFundMe is right at the top. So it's definitely going to be something that's very good for the city. Um, so, you know, help them get down there and help them win that thing and just have the energy to win it all. And again, also thank you to Xavier Abdella and Igor Borshev for coming in and for this week's Whaler guest, Lynn Beadle for coming on the show. So again, thank you to all of our guests for coming on and thank you, the listener, for sticking around and listening to every episode. Uh, we got some great, great Whalers alum that'll be coming on in the next few weeks. So stay tuned for that and have a lovely, lovely hockey weekend and we will see you this weekend.